Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make podcasts. I spend most of my life online, but I've got no idea how to fix any of the devices that help me to spend my time there. But I've been invited to a party. It's called a restart party, and this party might just help me to understand the technology that I use every day and all the time. A Restart Party is a pop-up community repair event where skilled volunteers help people diagnose and repair their broken electronics. They are organised by the Restart Project, who are a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. I've got some old phones and playstations and calculators and I want to learn how to, if possible, or just start to figure out how I could take them apart and use them for other stuff. At the moment I'm just trying to get screens out of old things to use them. But generally in life I just use things like free cycle or give things away, charity shops. I give a lot of stuff to charity shops but anything electronic I usually keep. Many years ago kind of quite like taking things apart myself and stuff but now I have no way of knowing how this stuff works. It was a bit easier when things were like VHS recorders and you could connect things to other things. So I've got like I've got a lot of stuff that hasn't been reused. It's just waiting for, for reuse. In today's episode, we're thinking about reuse. I'll occasionally be dropping in to restart parties in Belsize Park Library and Maiden Lane Estate in Camden to talk to the people there about what they do with their gadgets when they no longer have any use for them. But most of today's episode is an interview that I recorded in Hove earlier this month. Hi, I'm Kat Fletcher and one of the things I do is help to keep Freegal running, which is an online reuse network in the UK with 2.6 million members. And I do all the social media and publicity for Freegal, as well as being a board member. 99% of what I do for Freegal is voluntary. So that's just something I do in, in my spare time around everything else. My actual job in Brighton is I facilitate reuse and I'm renowned for preventing waste and intercepting things so that they don't end up being recycled, landfilled or incinerated. So right at the moment we're sitting in Brighton and Hove, City Council's biggest office building in the city and I'm contracted to identify all the things that they no longer need when they vacate the building and then to find a new home for those items in the city so it's kind of on quite a large scale because the building we're in has around 200 rooms there were a couple of thousand people working in here until recently it's a massive conglomeration of buildings down on the Hove seafront so I'm actually in here all year and right now I think we've identified around 23 tons of goods and items that are no longer required by the council and approximately 15 tons of that has already been redistributed to people in the local area and I'm just waiting for the last of the staff to vacate the building at the end of this month and then it's kind of November is blitz month where we really find new homes for everything. As a representative of the community and voluntary sector in the city, I used to go to sustainability partnership meetings, which were hosted by the city council. And I used to get incredibly wound up when I'd turn up at the venue for the sustainability meeting that there'd be a skip outside the council building full of reusable things and they'd just been chucked out. Or I'd get into the meeting and there'd be no recycling bin or we'd be using disposable plastic cups when we could have been using glasses. And so I just kind of used to be a bit cranky in the meetings and I had the perfect opportunity to challenge strategic people in the city about why this waste went on and I just used to implore them to cease and desist being so wasteful and to their credit they kind of reached out to me and said well what can we do or how could we avoid doing this so in 
2013, I actually did a pilot for them just on one floor of one building that they were renovating and they needed to vacate the floor and they gave me a month to kind of sort everything out and I think we identified 16.9 tonnes of stuff on that one floor that they would have thrown out and I redistributed it to people in the city. I then gave a little presentation to some of the directors at the council just about what I'd done. We did a business case for it and revealed that in fact it had saved them masses of money on what they didn't spend on waste disposal. It created enormous goodwill for all the people and projects that receive free items. And in fact, it was really good for staff morale as well, because the staff stopped feeling like they were part of a really wasteful culture. And so they were really happy to sort of to not bin things because they could see me with their own eyes, you know, redistributing things. So it had lots of value to it. And I won them over, basically. So I'm a subcontractor for the council. So yeah, if they're vacating a building or they're doing a big move or a big modernisation scheme in one of the buildings or departments, they usually call me in to assist. It is quite a unique role in the fact that they trust me a lot. You know, they're not quite sure how I do it <laughs> because there is just so much stuff and it all does go somewhere and they see it leaving the building and see photos of people receiving it. So they're not quite sure how I do it in such volume, but they do trust me. And to my knowledge, it's, they are the only local authority in the UK who employ a permanent full-time person to manage reuse and prevent waste, which is incredibly noble and fabulous. And, you know, and we should probably shout loud about it more because other councils could definitely be doing it. What do you do with a gadget that you no longer need or want? Too often it sits in a drawer for a very long time. In some cases, that you know, I guess Apple has the ability to, to recycle or, or allows you to recycle, but in general it's, it's harder to recycle than you, would, than you would want. Traditionally, the three R's are reduce, reuse, recycle, and just about everything on the planet focuses on recycling, including about five decades of government and other awareness-raising campaigns and publicity. So most of the media attention around doing the right thing with, with waste is always focused on recycling. Recycling's at the bottom of the waste hierarchy. The waste hierarchy is a pyramid-shaped diagram which visually indicates what you should do with waste. Waste, by definition, is just something that somebody discards or they decide to discard. Waste doesn't actually mean that something is broken or that it's not valuable or that it's not useful. It doesn't mean it's smelly or rotten or anything else. It just means that somebody's getting rid of it. And according to the waste hierarchy, how you should deal with waste is at the very top by preventing it or minimising it. So that might be by designing products better so they last a long time. It might be reducing the unnecessary packaging on a product, for example, so that when you buy something, you're not left with mountains of polystyrene. And then after those two reuse and those three things are at the top of the waste hierarchy and a UK and EU directive from 2013 says that we should all put our efforts energy investment and action at the top of the waste hierarchy but who knows that because nobody's bothered to tell the general public and recycling's at the bottom of the waste hierarchy just above incineration which is now called energy recovery and just above disposal which is uh, landfill so legally and strategically we are meant to try to prevent waste and where we have items that are being discarded it is acknowledged on all levels that the best thing to do is to try to reuse that item. I'd kind of introduce a fourth R which is repair. I see repair as being part of reuse but I think it's really good to clearly state that it's another R. So so many items that 
might appear to be unreusable are so reusable if they could just be repaired or fixed up or just altered in some way to give them purpose and value again. I really focus on reuse because there is just simply too much stuff in the world and I'm constantly reminded of that. It is strewn all over our streets. Perfectly reusable items are just left outside houses next to bins. You see skips full of them outside buildings. You go to household waste and recycling centres and you see skips full of reusable items that are going to be recycled or landfilled or incinerated and it is just totally heartbreaking. The fantastic thing about reuse socially is that it nearly always assists somebody if they receive something that is being reused and that might be because they have financial challenges in their life, they might have awkward social situations. That's an incredibly gratifying thing to know that the reuse of objects, especially household objects, just helps so many people in a very everyday way but a very important way. And then of course the other incredible advantage to reuse is that when you already have an object or item we have already extricated all the natural or man-made resources required to make that item we've used all the energy to manufacture it we have probably shipped it around the world if not once a couple of times before we've actually purchased or acquired that item so there's an incredible amount of value embedded in every object that we ever come in contact with and to just in a cavalier way discard it or decide that it would be okay to shred it, melt it, dissolve it, do something with it to kind of get it out of sight, to be managed as waste is really incredibly insulting to our planet, the environment, and it really disregards the circumstances that we all find ourselves in. It doesn't matter whether you think like me or not, there are 7 billion people on the planet and there are certain type of resources that we use to make things which are finite. They will run out. They are not replenishable. And so we need to respect all these resources that have gone into making things. And one of the best ways of doing that is by ensuring that things are reused. That's why I'm on my little soapbox facilitating reuse wherever I go because it just has so many incredibly high value attributes to what seems like a really simple, ordinary, kind of pretty dull thing. Oh, let's reuse something. No, it's really dynamic and powerful, you know, the impact of of that activity. So on a personal level, it's incredibly rewarding because of that because, you know, I get to help a lot of people feel good that they haven't created waste and I get to hand over a lot of goods to people who can really benefit from receiving something so you know I feel like the good messenger all the time it's a really nice place to be and then you know in my own head I kind of know that I've offset the need for some new item to be bought and kept some precious resource in circulation which is you know it's all good you sleep well at night. Sometimes it's harder to clear out the data sometimes I clean out a hard drive and and give it away to somebody who likes to take these things apart but in general it's it's slightly frustrating that electronics are increasingly disposable but actually it's not that easy to dispose of them kind of cleanly and neatly and as environmentally friendly a way as possible you'd like to be able to do a better job of it than you do without too much effort if it doesn't have anything sensitive on it, I tend to free cycle quite a lot. I'll, I'll sell stuff, but if there's no value and you just don't want it cluttering up the place, I'm happy to free cycle it. There's usually somebody who'll take it, and as a kind of a last resort, you'll throw it away, but you go through a few options before you do that. Electronic and electrical items are, you know, a nightmare because we have a lot of them in our life. The models get upgraded constantly. A lot of 
them don't have the capacity to keep working beyond a couple of years because of software, hardware conflicts. They're not made to be repaired. They're deliberately made to not function very well in a couple of years. And they're nearly all full of precious metals, which are absolutely finite and have usually involved a horrific amount of exploitation at the point where those precious metals were extracted from the earth. I believe the stats that come from DEFRA are that 40% of unused mobile-sized gadgets are sitting in drawers or cupboards. One little thing I've run down here in Brighton is a tech take-back day. So we sort of take over a cafe and we advertise on a particular Sunday that you can bring all your unwanted electronic and electrical gadgets down to the cafe, have a cup of coffee while you're there. We've got experts there who are like, look at all the gadgets, assess them, and then people can pay to have them data wipe because that's one of the biggest reasons why people don't hand over gadgets to be recycled is because they're holding data and they don't want their photos or their text messages or whatever to end up in someone else's hands. So because they just don't know what to do, they don't do anything and the stuff stays in a drawer. We had 60 people come along and we received almost 300 items and people just loved it. You know, they know me and what I do in the city. So there was a certain trust level there and they came down and they could meet the guy who's going to wipe the data and he's all certified and has all proper equipment. And I think it just proves that if you make it easy and convenient, people will do the right things. People need to be informed when they actually buy and receive an electronic gadget about specifically what they must do with their discarded or unwanted electronic gadgets. And there's definitely a role for the big producers to invest in this properly. They do it to a certain level now in a way that benefits them. So Apple do it in a way that benefits Apple. So they'll only take back broken and unwanted Apple mobile phones of a certain model and then only if they don't have certain damage on them. Well, you know, that suits them fine because then they can repair the things they get back and sell them on and make more money. But, you know, they, they, they need to be nicer than that. <laughs> What do you do with a gadget when you no longer need or want it? My own instinct would be just to throw it away. But I'm quite conscious now. I, I kind of stop and say, OK, what, what's the best way I can either recycle it or maybe give it away to charity or something? Or Actually, I'll Google whether there's any companies out there, organisations that will take it. I ended up t- taking about a load of phones from my family. No, they no longer needed all these mobile phones. I collected them all and there's an organisation which takes the phones and then they have some business use for it or they give it to people but part of the money goes to the charity so that I thought that was quite a good use of the phones because they're being reused and some of the money is going to charity so I try not to throw them away it's easier if you've got time and I've been off work so it's been easy for me to do that but when I'm working full time I think the mindset is just to throw away buy a new one straight away for probably thousands of years. People have passed things on within their own family and their own friend networks and their own neighbourhoods. That would have been done with hand-me-down clothes to brothers and sisters and cousins and neighbours and school uniforms amongst social networks. And there have always been things like jumble sales, boot markets, auction houses, Sotheby's, Christie's, vintage sales. I think in practice it's gone on forever and we just don't kind of necessarily title it as reuse. So, you know, it's a jumble sale or it's an auction, it's something else, or it's secondhand. And there have been charity shops, of course, as well, for a really, really long time. All those activities are facilitating reuse without the internet. But the beautiful thing about the internet is that you're able to organise things and redistribute things to people that you don't know.
And so that's where the magic is in using technology. It's about as simple and complex as that, really. You know, it enables you to connect with people that you you might not otherwise be able to connect with. And then with something like Freegal, that's obviously sort of taking it to the extreme, where, like here in Brighton, we have, I think, 29,800 people in the city who use the local Freegal group, 2.6 million across the UK, and it does kind of just prove the value of having that online organisational system, really. So I think networks really help. So I teach at LSE. LSE's got a fun... I'm not doing a plug, but it's got a fantastic reuse group. So that's my first point of contact. And it's great. It's really well used. And it's set up by the sustainability office. So that's for the staff. But the students also have one at the beginning of every year where they can... It's called Relove, where they can recycle whatever they want. And I hope that more offices have things like that, more... Friends, Facebook friends have things like that. So I would probably look in networks like that, Facebook networks, WhatsApp groups, things like that. FreeCycle is the brand leader, if you like, in online free reuse. Originated in America about 11 or 12 years ago and, and did spread globally. The original Freegal groups that formed in 2009 were all previously FreeCycle groups. The word FreeCycle is trademarked by the American organisation. So if you are running a FreeCycle group but you don't really want to be part of the big network organisation, you're not allowed to maintain your group and use the word FreeCycle. The 60-odd groups that sort of left over one weekend back in 2009 from the FreeCycle network that formed Freegal were all run by volunteers who had an issue with how FreeCycle was run and about how they were treating their volunteers. And we did spend a couple of years trying to have viable conversations and negotiation with the FreeCycle network in America about how we could run the FreeCycle groups in the UK. But they didn't really want to engage with us and they did just want to kind of force us to run our groups in a certain way, which we didn't feel was appropriate for the geographical landscape, one thing, in the UK, and for the way that things worked here culturally and socially. And so we kind of invented the word Freegal. sort of stands for free giving locally, easily, but it doesn't really matter what it stands for. It's a word and it's got free in there and, and, it, and it's kind of latched on. On that first weekend, there was about 60 groups that left FreeCycle and we now have over 400 groups. It's really caught on and, and the main difference is that Freegal is run entirely democratically and we have a cooperative structure and so everybody who's a volunteer in Freegal can have a say in how we do things, how we're organised what the future looks like. So we try to do a bit of lobbying with the government and awareness raising on social media and things that we weren't able to do on on FreeCycle. No matter what online system you've got or what beautiful app you have, people will and do leave things to the last minute and there will always be time and space restrictions where people can quite easily just justify binning something or it not being reused because, well, I've just run out of time and I've got to do this, or we have to hand the keys back at five o'clock and, oh, there's still six desks left. And so there is always a very real-life situations that come about which no app or website is going to solve, and that's kind of just people, you know, and getting them to get organised, and that's challenging. Yeah, so I, 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 don't, I don't think we've solved that problem yet. I asked everybody what apps they'd recommend for people looking to find new homes for unwanted gadgets and electronics. So I go on my phone, I press on the app Trash Nothing, 
and you post it on there. So it's an app that ties in all your local free cycle groups. And you post it on there. So whether it's a table or an electronic, you put it on there and somebody will come and pick it up. That's the only one I know. I'm sure it's, it's trash nothing. It's brilliant. It brings in all the local free cycles together. So instead of having to go on each free cycle or on Yahoo, you just do it from your phone. And it's just been developed for free. Just to note that some parts of London currently have more active free cycle groups than freegal groups which is one of the reasons why many of the people I spoke to at restart parties mentioned FreeCycle, but not Freegal. There's a lovely new app actually called Give It For Good, I think, and that's where you can list the things that you've got that you'd like to give to charity, and the app will be able to tell you who wants those items in your area or where they do need those items. I guess, does eBay count? But that's, that's, a, good, that's a good place. I guess Amazon used... As well, I think eBay is the most popular website in the world, yeah. Although eBay obviously is an online retailer that sells brand new things. In fact, I think it's more than 50% of their transactions are second-hand items and individual people or, or little small businesses who are using eBay to buy and sell things second-hand. So it is actually a hugely mainstream activity, but um, because it's at the top of the waste hierarchy, there's no governmental legislation or regulation that requires anybody or any organisation to measure what they do around reuse and it's a shame in a way because I think if we did one I think people would be totally blown away by how much we do reuse already but then the value of it could really be kind of compared to other activities recycling or disposal or whatever so I hope that one day we do have to measure reuse because it it would just nudge people to see it as a more valuable activity than it is. We need to measure reuse and we need to invest in having big spaces where it can happen and household waste and recycling centres, they should all have a massive reuse section at the very front when you first enter. So that should be your first option when you go to the tip is there should be really well organised areas where you know you can put electronics or you can put furniture. Yeah, and we don't have that infrastructure. It's just really hit and miss and so I think... We need to raise the bar, but also just to invest in the people who are already doing it because we kind of know how to do it and we could just do more of it and do it better if we had some support. The other organisations I know that work in reuse, I'm pretty sure that would be at the top of their dream list too, is to be taken seriously and invested in. You know, there's a lot of professional work that needs to go on in integrating charity shops, peer-to-peer online networks. I think there's one thing about waste which is integral to why there is so much waste to manage, and that's because waste is separated into different streams according to where it comes from. So there's construction and demolition waste, then there's commercial and industrial waste, then there's household waste, and then there's toxic waste. Which maybe we should form the UK Reuse Alliance or something and have some way of all coming together and empowering each other and helping each other out. But that in itself is a really big piece of work. And actually the separation into those streams, which there are very good reasons for, but actually causes a lot of waste. And it also means that there's a really bad use of infrastructure across the whole of the UK. So I just think there's a lot of work that could be done around joining up the different sectors and sharing facilities. I mean, we could just weigh the different sectors' materials at the same facilities, right? You could still get data about different sectors 
maybe it's not the smartest thing in the world to have everything separated in terms of waste management. What I do 24-7 in Brighton is I join up all those disparate, disjointed dots between the public sector, the private sector, the grassroots, residents. I get a flow of goods going between all those different sectors and that's where the magic happens because something that's just not useful or valuable to a business anymore is often really, really valuable to a householder and something that doesn't function properly anymore, so not very valuable to a householder or a business is hugely valuable to an artist or a festival who needs something wacky and crazy to build a contraption. So that's the other reason why it's bad that everything's separated is none of those people talk to each other and there are no facilities they can go to where there's a shared space so I kind of personally physically do that all day every day if you want to pass on something to be reused you can very easily do that by joining Freegal and you know I'm going to say that because you know I run Freegal but honestly it's free it's simple it's easy you just need an email address if you're in an area where there isn't a Freegal group drop us a line we can solve that problem there are charity shops there are collections there's a furniture reuse network a lot of shops when you buy something new have a collection system so if they're delivering a new sofa to you they'll take away the old one and then they hook up with the charity and they get the old sofa to a charity i think for the next 10 years we're going to be surrounded by too much stuff i think there is definitely a movement towards people buying less stuff in the first place so i would really hope that in 10 to 15 years time there wouldn't be so much demand for my services or for or for reuse services in general because people may change their behavior and not just upgrade things and change things all the time they might buy less things and buy better quality, which I think would be pretty cool. But I do think that for the next 10 years or so, there is going to be an escalation of reuse because there is just so, so much stuff. In terms of how technology is going to help with that, I'm actually much more interested in getting big real-life facilities for things to be taken to and stored in and repaired and upcycled, so physical space. There are places around the world where they've invested in this, like big money and from the government and public bodies or education departments or health departments have really invested in big facilities where there are massive warehouses that employ a lot of people that also train a lot of people that need education or work skills and they turn over money and they prevent waste and they reduce pollution and in Scotland they're investing in reuse and they have a reuse hotline that you can ring up they do have big warehouses that are starting to emerge they have a very proactive campaign which is constantly encouraging people to do it but they have real life practical solutions not just the online techie ones and so my dream really for England and Wales and Northern Ireland is that we embrace that as well and that we put some real money behind making better the facilities we already have because we actually have a lot of reuse organisations who are operating but they need more space, they need funding, they could employ more people they could be better networked there are some physical spaces that don't use the internet at all and they should so I just think you know there's a big opportunity 
to invest in the concept of reuse in a lot of different ways and there would be benefits in lots of different directions as well. It's not just about preventing waste. It's a very helpful thing to do socially in neighbourhoods. It connects people. It can also be really creative. You know, there's an awful lot of remanufacturing and upcycling that should be encouraged as well and people learn skills and they find hobbies and things they're interested in and, you know, big social groups. So I just think there's a, a loveliness to growing the reuse movement and I would really hope that that's what happens over the next couple of years. So reuse isn't just about the things that we own, it's also about the people that we are. And when we share and sell and pass things on to other people, it creates social, environmental and economic value that we can all benefit from. Governments and local authorities clearly need to do more to help us to connect the dots between us. But on a personal level, there are lots of steps that we can take and lots of people out there eager to help us find new homes for things we don't want anymore. Reuse can be as simple as this. First I'd ask around friends and family, see if anyone wants it. If not, then I put it through the local free cycle group. And if not, then I give it to a charity shop. Restart Radio is both a podcast and a weekly show that goes out at 1.30 on Tuesdays on Resonance 104.4 FM, repeated on Thursdays at 11 a.m. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at therestartproject.org. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. Today's restart party is over, so it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.